Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. You're back in the room. (laughs) Okay, we're back. We are back. Season two, Lovely Books Podcast. It's great to be back. It was a fun little break. Um, What's changed with Lovely Books Podcast? Not much. We're basically staying the course, talking about the same things. We are shifting to only two podcasts a month. That's based on the feedback we've got. It's great to hear about all of these awesome books, but for the average reader, it's difficult to read the book and the recommendation and keep things manageable on your to-be-read list. So I'm excited about our episode today because we are beginning season two the same way that we began season one. And with me today, I have Paul Norat. How's it going, Paul? Yes. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining me, dear husband. Um, Hi, here in the flesh. Yes, and um, I'm excited to share my top five summer reads. Um, I started my podcast out this way because I felt like it would be a great way to get to know me, get to know my tastes, um, the variety and types of books that I like to read, but it would also give listeners a great list of things that they can read during the summer, books they can take on vacation. I think people in general tend to have more time to read in the summer, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yep. So hopefully this list, it's quite a variety. Um, we've got five different books in five different genres. So hopefully at least one of these books will touch on something of interest to you um, that you can pick up as one of your summer reads. Um, so Paul's going to give us an introduction um, and name the books starting off with number one. And number one is... People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Yes. Why is that book on your list? Um, so this is a new book that was published um, in on May 11th of 2021. You may know Emily Henry from the book she published last year entitled Beach Read. Beach Read was a really fun book. I don't remember what time of year it came out, um, but I did read it and enjoy it. I'll have to say I do like this one a little bit more. Generally, Emily Henry writes stories about love and family for both teens and adults. Um, She studied creative writing at Hope College and the now defunct New York Center for Arts and Media Studies. Um, And she is easy to find on Instagram and fun to follow. This book has really dynamic characters. It is a fiction romance and Romance is not usually a book that's in my wheelhouse of books that I like Mm -hmm. to review or that are first picks for me. But the characters in this story are very dynamic. She touches on some really interesting side topics. 
Um, there's a lot of fun, angsty moments. It's a quick read, great book to read at the beach, by the poolside, on an airplane. Um, just as you're enjoying your summer, I think it will just leave you with a really positive feeling. You'll love the characters, and I think you'll just really love this story. Okay, very cool. Number two on the list is The Good Sister by Sally Hepworth. Why is that one on your list? So Sally Hepworth was actually, when I started my podcast, she was one of the very first authors to follow me on my podcast. And um, it's taken me a year to read one of her books. Um, This book is categorized as a thriller. Um, For me, it's a little bit more of a contemporary fiction book with some thriller elements thrown in. Um, Sally Hepworth herself is an Australian writer, and I absolutely loved this book. This book was published actually the day after my birthday, so April 13th, 2021. And um, again, it was a quick read. It had great characters. So this is a story about sisters. Um, One thing that's really fun, and Paul and I have talked about this a lot, when you get together with family and you're talking Mm -hmm. about events from your childhood... And you're trying to recall something that happened. There tends to be different perspectives on the same events. <clears throat> yep. Convenient perspectives. That's for sure. Right? So mm-hmm. this is a story that kind of follows that tale of family memories and family history Um And yet kind of have a hard time telling who's got the more accurate side of the story. What makes this book a thriller, though, is there is some suspicious death looming in the background of the story of these two sisters. Um, One element of the story that I thought was really well represented is there one of the sisters in this book um, has her name is Rose. She has a sensory disorder. And a lot of the my feelings and a lot of the reviews that I read on this book um, suggested that her portrayal of a person with a sensory disorder was extremely accurate. A lot of people suggested that in order for her to write this, she must have either a really close family member or a sensory disorder herself because her ability to, to take that on and really represent that was done extremely well. So this is definitely a book, um, like I said, more of a contemporary fiction than a straight thriller, but it definitely has those thriller elements, the whodunit, the questions about if the characters are going to be safe and what's going to happen and who's going to live and who's going to die and what if. And so it was a really, it was a really fun read. And definitely if you have not read anything by Sally Hepworth, this is definitely one you're going to want to check out the good sister. Okay, cool. Next is city of brass trilogy by S a Chakraborty. Why is this book on your list? So, This was a book that was recommended to me. During the month of May, I read mostly fantasy books, and fantasy is not, it's another book that's not really in my wheelhouse. Um, I don't like to review fantasy because I'm not exceptionally knowledgeable about world building and and what that means for a story and whether it's done well or if there's holes. Um, But this book was recommended to me by Kieran Nabi as a book that has a really great representation 
of um, Middle Eastern culture and the elements of that culture. This book is written um, by a white Muslim, and she is a convert to the Muslim faith. Um, But I feel like she does a really great job touching on the elements of that culture. She does a fantastic job with the food and the clothing and the greetings and the day-to-day activities and the smells of that Middle Eastern culture. Um, The author herself kind of coins herself more as a historian than a writer. And so the research in this book was extremely thoroughly done. Now, City of Brass is actually part of a trilogy. So if this summer you are kind of looking for a deep dive and I, you know, in the summer, since I do have more time to read, I do like to take on those books that are more of a deep dive. City of Brass is part of a trilogy. The second book in the trilogy is called Kingdom of Copper and the third is called Empire of Gold. So this is one that I'm just getting through myself. It was published in 2017, so this would be a backlisted book, but it is a really fun read. It goes by really, really quickly, um, and it it just gives a lot of elements about a culture and a history and a religion that I don't know very much about. And so it's been fun for me to read it and research and look up the words that I don't know and kind of get some more insight into Middle Eastern culture. Okay, the next book is Floating in the Most Peculiar Way by Louis Shudasoki. This book is fabulous. Did I say that right? I think you said it right. I listened to a couple of interviews from him to make sure um, that we kind of got him right today. So the other books that I've mentioned so far are maybe not in Paul's um, genre of choice. These last two books are nonfiction. um, And so for our readers who are more interested in things of nonfiction, this would be one of them. Like me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Louis Chudasaki is a writer and a scholar. Um, he is a professor of English, um, the George and Joyce Wine Chair in African American Studies, and director of the African American Studies Program at Boston University. So this is his memoir and his story. Um, I listened to this on audiobook, and he was the audiobook narrator. And it's, he does a fabulous job telling his own story. But what really stood out to me and kept me thinking about this book, the reason why I'm recommending this book is because there were so many elements of the story that I feel like um, I should have had more knowledge about that I didn't. Um, I was exposed for the first time to terminology such as Biafra. Do you know what Biafra is? No. What about Ebo? No. Yeah. So um, this is his story. Um, It's his post-colonial experience in Nigeria. He had a Jamaican mother and a Nigerian father who were part of a genocide. There was like a genocide in Nigeria Mm -hmm. as these Biafran Mm -hmm. people tried to, to create their own country um and and it ended in genocide um what was fascinating to me and i i do not 
profess to have any knowledge on this topic other than what I read, which is why it was so fascinating to me. But one thing that he really touches on is what it means to be black in America, but not be an African American, to be a Jamaican American, to be a Cuban American, to be a black person, um, not necessarily from Africa or who does not have the same racial tumultuous history as many black African-Americans do. Um, I find it significant that with his background, he is the head of African-American studies at Boston University. Um, and he attended, he attended school in California. Basically, he went from Nigeria to Jamaica to New York to growing up in Irvine, California. It's an interesting, interesting history um, that includes a lot of world history, African history, Black history moments that I knew nothing about. And so it really made me think. It really gave me some new perspectives, um, and I really enjoyed it. The next one is Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke. Okay, this is going to be one that you dig. Okay. This is a cool topic. Um, this book actually isn't out yet, and it doesn't come out until August. And I really debated not putting it on my summer read list, but I feel like if we talk about it in the summer, then you'll be sure to pick it up. August 24th, 2021. I did get this one as an as an advanced reader copy. Um, and so I'm really grateful to NetGalley for that. Thank you, NetGalley, for approving me for this arc because this was a really, really cool book. So the subtitle of this, it's Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. First of all, let me tell you about the woman who wrote this. Anna Lemke is the medical director of Stanford Addiction Medicine, program director for the Stanford Addiction Medicine Fellowship, and chief of the Stanford Addiction Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic. So she has been the recipient of numerous awards for outstanding research in mental illness, for excellence in teaching, and for clinical innovation in treatment. Um, she's a clinical scholar and has published more than 100 peer-reviewed papers, chapter book, book chapters, and commentaries in, prestige, in prestigious outlets. Um, she is super well-educated, and this is her field. Um, is addiction and how addiction and dopamine intertwine with each other. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the hot phrases that she uses are um, the idea of compulsive consumption, mm -hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. And then the idea of having access to digital dopamine 24 seven. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul and I both read Atomic Habits, <laughs> which we totally loved. And we did an, mm -hmm. um by James Clear and we, well, I did an interview with James Garrett on that book, but one phrase that he kind of coined in that that I have thought about ever since is the idea of being, um, as human beings, we're infovores. Mm -hmm. Remember when he said that? Mm -hmm. And as infovores, we are constantly turning to our electronic devices to consume information and the anticipation of the information consumption releases dopamine. Yep. So basically in this book, Anna Lemke is asserting that the secret to finding balance is combining the science of des desire with the wisdom of recovery. 
So she's basically using the wisdom of addiction recovery to sort of save us from this dopamine burnout, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that's been on kind of the science of technology and the idea of digital natives. I feel like it's been on the radar for a while. People are starting to question what it does to your brain to have that dopamine release at such a young age now that we're raising kids who mm-hmm. are digital natives. <clears throat> right. Who've grown up with information at their fingertips and quick access. And she goes into Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all kind of the different avenues where we're getting access to this this dopamine rush from the quick access to information. It's a cool book. It's really cool. She does a really great job talking about it, explaining it, and kind of telling people how to avoid the addiction of what electronic devices? What? Mm-hmm. What is it? Is that what we're trying to avoid? We're trying to avoid the the trigger that makes us addicted to dopamine, essentially, <clears throat> and uh, whether it's healthy or not to constantly have that dopamine rush um, over and over and over again all day long. <clears throat> well, and at some point that becomes insatiable, and also at some point when we release the dopamine and we don't get the information that our infovore mm-hmm. human tendency wants, it leads to depression in a greater right. degree. Because one, of, one of the things that it points out is that um, kind of like insulin, insulin um, yeah. sensitivity or desensitivity. Mm-hmm. Which I have because I eat too much junk food. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, the idea is that uh, we're, we're, you know, when are we going to have enough dopamine, and our bodies will become desensitized to it, and essentially we won't be able to uh, keep up with that. Yeah. So that's an interesting, interesting concept. Yeah, and it's kind of the same as that. Just made me think of um, when your adrenal glands get burned out because you're yeah. like so hyped up on caffeine. Yeah. That yeah. So that's book number five. So we've got. People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. That is fiction romance. We've got The Good Sister by Sally Hepworth. That is a thriller contemporary fiction. We have City of Brass. That's part of the trilogy um, followed by Kingdom of Copper and Empire of Gold by S.A. Shakarbordi. We have Floating in the Most Peculiar Way by Louis Chudasaki. And finally, Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence by Anna Lembke. Yay! Top five summer reads. I hope you take the time to check these books out. Look at them. See which one kind of fits your needs for this summer. But these are the ones that I'm going to power through. I've already read all of them. (laughs) But if I hadn't have already read them, then... They'd be definitely the ones I want to read. I will say I, I'm not all the way through the um, the trilogy, Chakraborty's trilogy. So I'll definitely be hitting on those. Paul, before you leave us, do you have any books that you want to share? Anything that you've read uh, that you'd love to add to people's <clears throat> summer reading list? You know, uh, one this one that I'm reading right now that I'm enjoying is called Thinking in Bets. Really? Uh, yes. And it is by... 
Anna Duke. Okay. No, Annie Duke. Mm. You can edit me on that. Okay. Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. Now, this essentially is about a lady who um, uh, was a professional poker player and had a career, but discovered that after her career, she realized that a lot of the lessons that she learned in poker playing had applications in business and uh, science and in other um, walks of life. So she essentially says that, um, and I'm winging this here, so <clears throat> she basically says that it's uh, it's erroneous for us to evaluate our decisions based on the outcome because we don't know if the decision was a good decision absent the information we had in the first place. For example, if we say... Um, I invested in a house, fixed it up, and flipped it, and three years later made 50% profit. Okay. Someone would say, oh, boy, you're smart. But in reality, we don't know if any schmuck would have done this, you know, made money by not doing anything because there was an overall market uh, trend that increased all the values. Hmm. So that's one example of attributing uh, smart decision-making to... Um, you know, to uh, an outcome that really we had no control over. Another one would be a negative outcome. For example, uh, Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl, you guys remember that um, on the last play of the game, instead of running the ball with Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line, <laughs> he threw the ball and it was intercepted. And everyone said, oh, what a dumb decision. But absent the information of, of you know, what what he actually based his decision on, um, had he caught that pass, he would. They would have said, "Oh, the most brilliant decision ever! What a clever right. guy!" So the decision was actually the correct decision, and it was sound. It was based on strategy using the information they had, uh, and so luck uh, was uh, at play and made his decision. The outcome was bad, but the decision was good. And so she says basically, decisions. A lot of them are separate from the outcomes because. Good decisions include luck and information that we don't have privy to when we make those decisions. And that's what life is all about. I'm enjoying the book. Cool. There's my long-winded recommendation. Well, and business books, I know a lot of people other than um, business entrepreneurs appreciate a business book and the perspective that's in. And looking ahead, next week's, well, in two weeks, um, our podcast will be um, talking about just that kind of book with a female entrepreneur who is a good friend of mine, and she's going to be sharing a couple books with us. So it's going to be cool. Anything else? Oh, good. Happy anniversary, baby. <laughs> Got you on my mind. <laughs> Actually, nobody that's listening to this will uh, recognize that song because I'm ancient. Because you're a little bit older. Yep. I don't know. We don't know the age demographic. How old that's are you? True. How old are you, world? Um, global global listeners. The demographic <laughs> of the listener is probably close to mine. <laughs> well, maybe a little closer bit. to mine. Come on, make me feel good. If you like what you heard today. 
Please remember to comment, like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Check out our Instagram at lovelybooks underscore podcast, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at lovelybookspodcast. Um, I hope you have a great couple weeks reading, and we will see you again in two weeks when we highlight another lovely book.